1: I don't know how much the outer track is going to bleed into it. I'm going to try something a bit different. It's called a parody song. I hope you enjoy it. I really do. I have to keep talking, otherwise I'll get done for copyright. (laughs) Welcome to the Boo Army podcast. I hope you enjoy this one. Half past four and I'm watching the I follow... In my flat alone, how I'd hate this match to end in a draw. All the wind blowing right across the field as Beach looks at the bench. I hope he brings on who I'm thinking of. There's not a player out there, someone who scores like him. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy Tiore, Take me to the Brunton and score another goal. Oh, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy Tiore, Watch him bring the ball down and he'll score another goal. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope I can hear people singing it in the future on the terraces. Get the fuck in. Welcome to the Blue Army Podcast.
0: Hello. I'm
1: only joking.
2: All right, Mara.
1: How's it gone? Welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast with me, Skelly, and uh, we're not going to hang around this week. We're going to dive straight in uh, with the Blue Army podcast, Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh?
0: I think he's trying to.
1: It's the Blue Army podcast, Joke of the Week.
0: Right.
1: Here we go. I didn't have to write it down this week so I'm not going to rattle any paper right here. Here we go. What do you call a Spanish goalkeeper with no legs. Gracias, like gracias, gracias, like thank you in Spanish. Gracias. Did I mess up the punchline? I think it was okay. I think that was pretty good. I think they keep getting better and better. <laughs> if I do say so myself so yeah let's uh, let's keep power on straightforward now good times good vibes good laughs wills joins me on the show this week for the entirety of the show so that means two match reviews with will some news and of course a look ahead to next week's uh matches. So all that to look forward to and also a new feature at the end of the show. So stick around for the new feature, which is um, Loud and Local, the Blue Army podcast track of the week. I'm looking forward to that. We've got my little brother this week, and I'll tell you more about it later on. But for now, let's dive in to the match review for the Bradford game with Wills. (laughs) The senior Carlisle lineup for the game was as follows with Farman in goal, Tanner, Bennett, McDonald, and Armour at the back, Riley, Guy, Mellish across the midfield, with Dickinson, Alessandra, and Zanzala up front. Right. Offrand Zanzala scored a brace as Carlisle ended their eight game League Two winless run with an impressive win against mid table rivals Bradford. Um, mid-table rivals, is that a fair critique? I would say that we're both trying to push in towards the playoffs. Uh, Chris Beach's side had lost six of those eight games, but got back to winning ways and style to pick up their first victory since January. That's true. Uh, the visitors slipped to back-to-back defeats for the first time since Mark Truman took over, and since December. They like They like being accurate on the calendar, the BBC, don't they? Carlisle midfielder Callum Guy saw an early effort well stopped by Sam Hornby. That was a thunderbolt. Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. Rhys Bennett's bagged his first goal in over three months as he headed home Guy's pinpoint corner in the 37th, 37th minute. They've put, like, 33rd on the BBC website. 37rd minute. On the BBC website. Fantastic journalism, once again, from the BBC. And also, Reese Bennett bagged his first goal in over three months. Like, he's supposed to be a prolific goal scorer. He's a centre-back. Alright, lay off. And Zanzala's doubled the host's lead two minutes later as he poked the ball home. Controversially, maybe. I'm still not sure, actually, if that goal is going to go to Bennett or Zanzala. It's Sunday, as I record this, and I still don't know. The inform frontman secured his first brace for 16 months when he nodded Brennan Dickinson's cross beyond goalkeeper Hornby with 34 minutes left. Okay. Gareth Evans pulled one back as he converted Elliot Watts' free kick in the 64th minute. Uh, Mansfield lowly Andy Cook squandered a glorious chance to further reduce the deficit when his chipped effort went wide unlucky andy cook mates i mean you know that's what you get for being too cocky <laughs> maybe you should have finished your apprenticeship um so yeah that's what the uh, the bbc pa media made of the carlisle game and uh now it's what me and will made of the carlisle game wills is back wills nice to have you how are you getting on buddy let's have a chin wag oh Alright, Wills is back with us on the Blue Army podcast after a victory! I promised you, Will, I'd have you back when we won a game and we flipping won a game on the next game, building on that draw that we were talking about <laughs> last week. It was a good result. It was a pretty good game as well to watch. What did you think of the game as a whole, Will?
2: I thought we were a lot better in various parts of the pitch. We're not quite back to where we were, but... It's the best performance I've seen us put in in um, well since even the Exeter game. It's good to see Ozzy Gonzalez scoring, and I think we played a bit differently as well. I think we were a little bit less lumping it forward than we'd become recently. Started moving the ball around a lot better overall. I was. It does I'm, definitely I'm give us room
1: to hope, absolutely, after that result and uh, building on the, on the draw at Grinsby. I did say that I did predict Zanzala was going to go on a tear, so hopefully that continues. I'm saying like five goals in three games is my prediction for Zanzala uh, as, we go into, as we go into Mansfield. Across the pitch, for me, there was a couple of standout players. First of which was Jack Armour in the early stages of the games, definitely established himself, definitely made his presence felt. I think he established himself really well, he was strong, uh, he frustrated uh, the Bradford uh, the Bradford wingers to the point where partway through the game they, they swapped wings because they weren't having any luck. It was nice to have Tanner looking sharp and bullish, also playing on, on, on the other side. Armour and Tanner... Both looking like very good fullbacks again. It's nice to have the confidence in those wide areas. I think Armour added something different to his game, which was going forward. I didn't think he went forward that much against Grimsby, but he wasn't afraid to get into the edge of the box, he wasn't afraid to get crosses in, he wasn't afraid to be a receiver for the throw-ins um on that left hand side, and I think that definitely helped us open up Bradford in the early stages and helped us sort of like press and push them. Uh, what do you think about um, Armour sort of going forward and that sort of like developing role on on uh, out there at the left back, wing back, full back kind of area?
2: Yeah, I mean he had a very good game going forward. He had a he had a really good shot just before Guy's shot, which was more highlight worthy. But you know Armour kind of drilled it into there, and it was blocked at source almost. But you know it's good to see him kind of going up there and taking a chance like that. He he did hit it well shows great Um, technique yeah and he's 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 keeping nick anderton out of the team like the club captain so i mean i think that's kind of like testament to how highly rated he is at carlisle at the moment still only 19 is he so Mm -hmm. he's still like a really you know good i think it's worth
1: pointing out as well that he did get the man of the match award i If I had to critique anything, I feel like he did go a little bit missing in the second half, Uh, but maybe I feel that because Bradford had figured out if they kept putting the ball into that corner, Armour was going to carry on winning those battles. So they they, they went for the other corner in the second half and tested Tanner more instead, which is maybe why I feel like Armour had a quiet second half in comparison. I think the commentators said that they felt like Zanzale should have got the Man of the Match award because of the goals. And he did have a great performance. He showed a lot of strength and it was probably without a doubt, I don't know why I have to say probably, without a doubt it was his best performance in a Carlisle shirt. What do you think about Zanzala going forward? The uh, the shoot of confidence, what kind of a front man, target man, striker do you think he'll develop into? He looks like a very strong for this level kind of striker and he's got his uh, he has got his nose on the goal at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's certainly kind of offered something new. In the last two games. That we didn't see early on. And there is like an argument. If you score two goals in a game. You've got to get man of the match. If they're two decisive goals. I can see why Armour got it. But um, as, uh, yeah, at the same time. I understand that Zanzala Was just as big a shout. He, um, he reminded me. A little bit of. Someone uh, more like. Sl- slightly Carl Hawley-esque. Bustling about in the box and and putting himself about and being a nuisance and just kind of worrying defenders, you know. And if he goes on to be clinical this season, then, you know, it'll be, it'd be I think it'd be. I quite don't Carl necessarily Hall-ish.
1: think he's as technically gifted uh, for finding the net as Carl Hawley was. I think Carl Hawley was definitely a dead eyed um, finisher. Aussie uh, is strong very strong and he showed it against Bradford and he showed it against Grimsby um, yeah. holding players off and I'm pretty sure he's getting he's being told not to flick the ball on with the header as well I'm pretty sure he's getting the instruction to trap yeah. it on his chest and get it into his feet. And that's what's bringing the Carlisle players sort of around him and, and then helping linking up the play a lot. Uh, it's it's opened up, him opening up his game and being told to play more his style of football rather than maybe getting pushed out wide. Like we were talking about last week, about you know, most of the strikers at, at, at Carlisle, most of the attacking players, probably preferring to be down the middle. Zanzala definitely proved that that's where he wants to be and that's where he's most effective, is being on the last man putting the pressure on the last man, being stronger and looking to feed in the players around him. Saying that, I think when you do have a target man, you assume that other midfield players are going to get brought into the mix. And I think Callum Guy looked fantastic in this game. He had a great game as well. Shooting-wise and delivery from his corners. But like I've criticised in previous weeks, we keep wasting free-kick opportunities on the sort of like roll-back, layoff, Style of free kick, and most of the time, the opposition is wise to it, and they manage to like shoot down the effort before it even gets anywhere close to the box. I feel like it was early on in the game, and it was about 35 yards out, and we rolled the ball out to the right again, and it was just sort of like a wayward. Um, effort and it is getting frustrated watching Carlisle play the free kicks when there's like three free players gathered around it so you would assume that there is some kind of training ground routine about to happen and the last three to four occasions for me over the last three games we've just been very wasteful with those free kicks in them positions and not made the most of them how do you feel about the uh, the set piece play at the moment because from corners we seem to be quite effective but unfortunately from the free kicks I don't know if we're just getting confused in the build up to them or I'm just not sure what's happening what do you think about the set piece play at the moment
2: Yeah I mean you rightly bring up the corners because Callum Guy's set piece play his own um, deliveries from the corners was excellent yesterday in general I say we kind of like we're very good at taking those free kicks where you are expected to put the ball into an area and set someone up and kind of put it into the mixer. Uh, I think it's just maybe a bit of indecision around those three kicks where it's, they're a bit more in front of goal and it's do you shoot, don't you do you feign to shoot and I, I feel maybe we, we don't quite know what we're going to do with it not in the way that we're, you know, if we get one out wide, you know, you know you, you know you're looking to make an assist you know, you're not looking to Kind of maybe, but, it, but, shoot. It's,
1: but, it's, but it's a free kick. You've got all the time in the world to decide what you want to do. That's what's really frustrating me about it. Is that you've you've literally got like all the time in the world to say uh, the manager just needs to shout. You're taking that free kick. You're going over there. Just take control of the situation. That's what I find frustrating about it. That like no one's no one's accusing you of time wasting on these free kicks. So just take your time and do it properly. uh, For me, it's a little bit frustrating, but I like the art of set piece play. I've always been a fan of of the beautiful set piece, Uh, especially in the playground. Me and my friends playing Sunday League and stuff would spend hours trying to rehearse strange choreographed uh, set piece routines with flicks and tricks and volleys and headers and all, all these kind of things. So I've got this grandioso idea about what set piece play should be. And uh, lately, it's just been a little bit frustrating from the free kicks. But like you said, Callum Guy from the corners, flawless delivery. And um, his performance on the day against Bradford, he was one of the better players on the pitch for me. Uh, He had a very good game. He looked classy. Very good technique, very good passing selection. Long, short, over the top, diagonal. Uh, Seems comfortable on the ball. Doesn't mind being pressed by the opposition. Quite happy to try and uh, take the ball past people or shield the ball. It's really nice to see him coming back to his best after spending a little bit of time out of of the squad. Now, before Carlisle took the lead, there was a shot by Brennan Dickinson that was kind of saved and deflected and ended up at the feet of Louis Alessandra. And I feel like if Carlisle didn't score from the resulting corner... Alessandra might have had a couple of nasty comments to look forward to on his social media feed after the game. It was a sitter, and is it kind of rolled under his ankle? Did you did you did you see that from Louis Alessandra? Did you did you? Um, yeah yeah, it was
2: a total air shot, wasn't it? Go on. I say it was a total air shot, was. wasn't it? <laughs> Almost a total air shot. We end up getting a corner from it, and I think everyone sort of forgot about Louis Alessandro's. Little howler there, I mean, you know, because when you score straight from the corner after it, you kind of think, yeah, they're not going to remember that now. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah I mean, you let it go. You I let mean, it the go, form so... we were on at the time, if he'd not scored that and we hadn't scored from the corner and not gone on to win the match, then certainly kind of like people would kind of be questioning him Questioning him a bit more than maybe sort of zero in him. I feel
1: like he had an okay game, but there was at least two opportunities in the game where he probably should have done a little bit better. But his work rate—he—he he, he doesn't stop, does he? He's always trying to chase the ball into the corners. Um, he's a, he's a little bit of a bulldog. At least for the first half, um, he was he was always chasing the ball. Yeah. But I think he goes—he he kind of goes wherever he wants. Um, he, he, he was on the right-hand side for probably the first 25 minutes, and when the opportunity that he missed came, he was on the left-hand side of the six-yard box. So I'm not, I'm not sure what kind of a role that he has for the strikers, but he seems to be able to pop up, create uh, distractions, and then other the other attackers can maybe fill into those gaps. Uh, I just don't always feel like Alessandra is the person that the midfielders are looking to give the ball to necessarily. Not the first choice of attacker to give the ball to but he does stay a part of the Carla United team and is so popular with the Carla United fans because of his work rate and because of his work ethic. Not necessarily because of his goal returns. Yeah
2: I think like like every team needs a bit of (laughs) You know, I, I I think every team needs a bit of that. Like what Alessandra's offering is, is you know, he's just kind of one of those players who, as as he is 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 fairly consistent. He tries hard. He has some skill. He's you know he when he's playing well, he knocks it around. Constantly asking for it. Constantly going after the ball. Searching for possession. And, you know, just kind of... I, th- I think it kind of helps to keep the defenders on the back foot when you're pressing high, because Alessandra will kind of, like, press around. And sometimes that kind of work goes a little bit underappreciated because those players aren't necessarily as prominent when you're in possession as they are when That's you're really out well, of possession. As that
1: stood, uh, I think we, we sort of like left the match review with Carlisle leading by uh, one goal to nil uh, with uh, Reese Bennett's header from uh, a Callum Guy corner. Bennett is quite good in the air, isn't he? I quite, uh, I quite like his style when he is in the box and he, and he goes to attack the ball. And I wouldn't say he's any better or worse than than, than MacDonald or... Hayden I think they're all creditable threats once they go forward but it was nice to see uh, Rhys Bennett score after taking a little bit of time away from the first team and receiving a little bit of criticism Um, he was being criticized that maybe he wasn't challenging and winning enough headers in the defense so it's nice to see him climb highest and and score the goal for Carlisle and uh, and take the lead there and it wasn't too long after that when uh, when we got our second goal as well it was a scrappy effort who are you uh, who are you giving the second goal to, Will? If you had to give uh, the second goal to uh, Bennett or Zanzala based off what you've seen, who are you uh, giving I the goal to? I would to?
2: probably give it to Zanzala purely for the reason that there's, there's no real camera angle that offers any evidence to, to change it from how it was given on the day. On, on, on none of the camera angles I've seen, can you actually see the ball be kicked? But Zanzala's is yeah, the one who's kind true. of closest to it and he's the one stood over and he definitely kicks at something. A few of the Bradford fans <laughs> were suggesting that um, kicked it kicked out of the goalkeeper's hands and the goal shouldn't have stood. But um, again, you can't actually see whether he has or not, but the goalkeeper's hands are well behind <laughs> the line. So if the goalkeeper did have two hands on the ball, then presumably the goalkeeper's oh, carried think... <laughs> it in himself and it will be an own goal so, I would have, oh, assumed, yes, I would sure. have assumed
1: that um, if it was kicked out of the goalkeeper's hands there would have been more of an appeal there wasn't that much <laughs> of an appeal from the Bradford players or even from the Bradford goalie really so I feel like that's probably a big reason why there, it wasn't looked into anymore uh, obviously Bradford fans can feel the way Bradford fans want to feel but on this occasion your players didn't even look like they believed it was a foul, so you know if your own players if your own players aren't asking for it, then what are you gonna do, you know? Uh, so as it stands it was two nil. Carlisle went into half time with a two goal lead, and deservedly so, we looked good. So the second half started with Carlisle two nil up, and it wasn't that long until Zanzala found himself on the score sheet again. And it was a really good move from Carlisle.
2: I haven't seen that kind of football in a long time. I can't remember that as well as I remember Zanzala's header, because he did really well to get the ball on target. From there, it was a lovely looped header, and it's kind of—I I thought maybe he was going to go for first. the perfect hat trick, even though I don't know which foot he used to score the to score his first goal. Although, well, he's got one by one of his feet, he's headed it, you know. <laughs> but then, and then he almost scored another another headed goal later on in the half, so. It looks decent The build-up to air. the goal was
1: fantastic. It went from uh, left to right. It was swept across the midfield with a couple of ticky-tacky passes. Some nice footwork from Joe Riley to get round a defender. Um, as a defender came in, he turned his man, kept passing it out wide. Nice footwork from Callum Guy as well. Kept going from left to right. Got to the edge of yeah. uh, the Carlisle box on the right-hand side. And there was a beautiful uh, looping cross into the back post. And the way Zanzala's technique was to get in front of his man and stay in front of his man because his movement in the box wasn't fantastic. He gave himself a lot of work to do. He made the run into the box a little bit too early, which meant he was in front of his man, but he had to stay in front of his man, even though the ball wasn't coming into the box. And that's what showed the uh, the class for me. That's what showed uh, the skill and uh, the technique that he has. Maybe the sort of natural game that he has is to get into those positions and hold his position for the team. Reliable option in the box. And this time, he owned his man. (laughs) He owned that defender. (laughs) When that ball came into the box, that defender had no chance.
2: Yeah, on one hand, it looked like quite poor defending from Bradford. But, you know, Zanzala's strength has kind of made that and... Pre, you know, Prevented anyone from getting no, around. Showed great,
1: great technique, great strength. Um, so, Carlisle 3 0 up at this point, and um, you could say cruising. We, we were quite happy to let Bradford have the ball, and that's when Bradford really started showing us what they can do. Uh, the reason why they've had such a good run of form lately, uh, how quick they can be, uh, pinging the ball around and getting behind uh, the Carlisle defence. And they look dangerous uh, for the last sort of like 20 minutes of the game. Farman was quite unfortunate not to get a clean sheet in this game. I feel like his performance deserved it. He did make a couple of really vital saves in the first half. He had maybe two really good saves that he had to make, and he just he, he had to be there, he had to be switched on, and uh, he did a good job of those. But the goal itself took a took like sort of like a deflection over his arm. So I felt really that it was unfortunate for him to concede that goal. There was there wasn't anything that he could really do about it little deflection that ended up just sort of like lifting it out of his path. But Farman has received a fair amount of criticism from a couple of different sources. And I I decided to uh, hook her down and look at some stats and uh, see if any of these criticisms have any kind of foundation to them. And to be fair you know uh, they, they 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 kind of do they they read depending on what your perception is of farman i would say uh if you like farman you'll uh, you'll take some of the statistics and you'll read them in a positive light and if you don't like farman then there's a very easy way for you to uh twist the uh, the statistics but Will, i'll just breeze through some of these statistics and then then uh, maybe you can tell me what you think about paul farman so far this season Paul Farman has played 31 games in the league, conceded 35 goals and has notched up nine clean sheets, which is a clean sheet third of the time he plays football. Around uh, around 33% of the time that he plays, uh, he gets a clean sheet. That works out as an average goal conceded ratio of every 83 minutes, uh, which puts him in 13th in the league. ...for clean sheets. So, Will, 13th in the league for clean sheets is middle of the park. Uh, Carlisle currently sit 12th in the league. So, uh, yeah, the numbers the numbers maybe aren't flattering anybody. Uh, what do you think about Paul Farman?
2: I think he has probably had to face a lot more shots... than ...than he was necessarily used to in the first half of the season... During this kind of like bad run of form, when the defence in front of him have sometimes gone missing a bit, there's certainly there's been there's been one or two shots where I've looked and thought, oh, he could have saved that, maybe. But I think that's kind of more shot stopping isn't his main specialty as a goalkeeper. He's maybe mid table for shot stopping, not terrible at it. His strength is more to be. Part of the defence that's stopping shots from taking place. He commands his box, he comes out for corners. He'll often punch it away, but he'll kind of reach out a lot further. You know, there's a reason why he had to punch it away. He's not just one of these keepers that punches it for no reason. But it, it, it is kind of like a part of a more rounded... Set of skills because I mean, I think his distribution is very good as Farman well. Farman
1: has picked up four yellow cards, more yellow cards than any other goalkeeper in League Two. Uh, you said something uh, before we were on Mike, uh, which I found quite interesting there, Will. You said that you think all of his yellow cards are for, uh, are for time wasting.
2: I don't know if they all are. Um, it was definitely for time wasting yesterday, although he argued, or the commentators felt that the referee hadn't blown his whistle yet so why was the referee now saying that Paul Farman was time-wasting I'm sure I can remember one other I can't remember him getting booked for a foul or anything so I don't know but I've got a feeling that those four yellow cards might all be time-wasting related because we've gone into a lot of last 10 minutes with narrow leads that's the case
1: it just goes uh, to show more about his personality you know he'll do what it takes for the team, uh, even if that means uh, slowing the game down and picking up a yellow card oh, yeah, for I'm it. Yeah, not criticising um, him. He, you know, he's willing to pick up a yellow card. I think, I think it's, uh, especially when, if a goalkeeper picks up a yellow card for time-wasting, he's doing it for the team. You know, he's doing it for the benefit of the team. He's not doing it for himself. Yeah. Um, my last Farman stat for you, Will, is one that I tried to source myself. Uh, in the last four games, Farman came up against 19 shots on target and conceded conceded seven goals. Like we said about the the Bradford goal, there wasn't a lot you could do about that. I think there's probably two or three other goals that have gone in against Carlisle that you couldn't have done a lot about and probably uh, three penalties in the last five games as well. Um, So his ratio and clean sheets have taken quite a big hit over the last month probably around December, January time. His stats were a lot more impressive, I could imagine. But the bad run of form that we've been through, maybe just throwing a a shadow, a cast of doubt in the fans' minds when it comes to Paul Farman. And also, when you've got a young lad on the bench with a little bit of pedigree, uh, some good training behind him, fans do like seeing the young lad come off the bench and get given a go. So there's always going to be that pressure when you've got a young goalkeeper on the bench. Have you seen a lot of criticism? to give him a Paul chance. Farman.
2: I feel like um, I've seen quite a lot of people, I think, say that he's been the one player who has kind of like kept performing during a period when everyone seemed to be performing under their usual. And I've, I've heard quite a few fans actually say the opposite, that like Paul Farman's been c- kind of been the best performer in that spell. Yeah, that,
1: that's it. This, this is why I wanted to sort of bring it up today is because the stats kind of can support anyone's argument depending on what you're, personal perception of, of Paul Farman is. If you're a fan, you're a fan. If you're not, you're not. But there's um, there's a lot of people that are fans of uh, Magnus Norman and they want to see him get a chance and they want to see him get a, you know more chances. If we went a bit further in the League Cup or the FA Cup or, or the Johnson's Pate, we might have been able to see Norman play a little bit more football Uh, this season and and then be able to get more of an assessment on it. I feel like there was a lot of pressure when we were losing games 3-1 over the last couple of months that we should just give Farman a rest, not because he's awful, but just because everyone else is getting a rest. Do you know what I mean? Not necessarily hatred, criticism, anything like that, but when the rest of the squad is taking rests and getting swapped and changed because we're not winning games, then there is an argument to say that Norman should have been given a, an opportunity uh, maybe over the last sort of like nine games uh, at some point just so Farman could could have a rest and and just get his head back together after you know after such a bad run of form but obviously Chris Beach didn't feel like Farman needed that he does seem like a strong character and uh, Chris Beach... Seems like a really good man-manager. Yeah. So, uh, I've got no doubt that he knows what he's doing yeah. handling I mean, his number one player, goalkeeper and his number two yeah, goalkeeper. If you, if, you,
2: if you drop a player who doesn't want to be dropped and say to them that it's because I feel you need a rest, then I think a lot of players are going to take that badly. Or, you know, even if they're a model professional, are going to feel a bit lower morale after that. So, you know, I think I think he was playing well. um just keep on playing him unless he looks kind of that he is getting exhausted or that it's kind of like taking its toll or something. I'll just kind of say, keep playing a player who keeps playing. I agree with that. I
1: can see why certain fans, you know, wanted, wanted to maybe change things around a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. Um, Chris Beats' man management uh, has has obviously seen us get through this bad run of form after winning this game and drawing the last game against Grinsby. And we've got no no real reason that's good enough to sort of doubt him and why he would swap Farman with Norman. But yeah, so as it stood, uh, we'll go back to the uh, match review. Sorry, that was a good Farman tangent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We'll go back to the match review. It's 3-1 and um, Farman went on to make another really good save, but... Uh, What was interesting is in the 82nd minute, Carlisle took off Dickinson and replaced them with Hayden and then pushed Bennett into sort of like an anchoring role and let Hayden and McDonald sit as the two centre-halves because um, there was a lot of sort of like aerial balls coming into the Bradford front two And when Bennett was moved into that anchoring position, he was just kind of like trying to mop up the ball, get it away from those two strikers. Tactic worked really well. Uh, Carlisle were under a lot of threat from the first goal for for a couple of minutes, uh, even before the first goal for a couple of minutes. And and moving uh, Bennett into that anchoring position was a really good tactical decision that helped Carlisle obviously push forward in the game just to stabilize us and then we also had the chance like you said with Zanzala's header later on so we were able to stabilize and then carry on carry on going forward as a long-term tactic I wouldn't want to see Reese Bennett sitting in any kind of anchoring role with McDonald and Hayden behind him but as a stabilizer in a game when we're winning 1-0 2-0 it's, it seems like a nice option what do you think about? Uh, uh, Chris, first of all, what do you think about uh, Chris Beach's tactical moves there? And um, how do you feel that Bennett did going into that anchoring role? And would you like to see it more or not at all ever again?
2: Well, th- uh, that's that's Chris Beach improvising to kind of try and stop a particular threat that he'd seen that's just being posed by one particular opponent in one particular match. So I think it's good that he's able to improvise like that and see other ways in which you can use players that might just work in a certain situation. You know, you wouldn't want him to start doing that regularly because you still want you have you know, square pegs and square holes and I think that's what Chris Beach has normally stuck to. But, you know, just on occasions that that don't come along very often, it's good to have that ability to improvise And I thought Bennett did well in his position. He did well because he was there to do a particular thing, which is like winning the headers and stuff. So, um, you know, Mansfield is going to be a different opponent. And, you know, Bennett won't be able to perform well in midfield against every single opponent but he did He did perform well in midfield against that opponent on It was that a frame. reactionary
1: move uh from chris Beach uh flexing his tactical prowess uh being able to you know shift and change things on the fly to to just stabilize Carlisle um, so it was nice to see uh obviously Chris Beach earn his bread uh <laughs> and make some uh effective changes and and obviously help silence some of the critiques that he's gathered over this bad run of form undeservedly so. Um, the way that he, uh, he handles uh, the pressure has been exemplary um with the news and star interviews the facebook interviews all the kind of stuff they all ask the same questions so i can understand why sometimes he gets a little bit funny in some of the post-match interviews um if you ask him a daft question he'll give you a daft answer and i uh, i respect that from chris beach to be completely honest his attitude throughout the uh the bad runner form has been spot on um he, he tried as little as he could to blame covid i think he did start mentioning it a little bit more towards the sort of like sixth and seventh um defeat and draw he mentioned it a little bit towards there but he was uh, reluctant to make excuses and uh, yeah i mean hats off to him i don't think uh you know we're out the woods and we're, and we're chasing down the playoffs yet but uh it's nice to get four points from the last two games and be on some kind of uh form going into the Mansfield game. Which is um it's our first game in hand, isn't it, Will, the Mansfield Pretty game? Pretty much,
2: yeah. I think there's a I think there's a couple of games midweek, but a lot of the teams that we've got games in hand on above us I think aren't uh, playing. Right, okay,
1: and we'll have uh, we'll have you back on Wednesday, Will, to let us know everything that you thought about the Mansfield game. But for now I think we've said everything that we need to say. Yeah, I think I think uh, we've said everything we need to say about Bradford. I've got one note at the top of my uh, notebook, and I just wanted to mention how nice the flags looked from the Carlisle Supporters Club. They look nice in the Warwick Road, and they look smart, professional. Uh, they add towards the camera aesthetic. Uh, so I wanted to give I wanted to give a little, you know, wink yes. and a and, a, and a, a cap tip to the Carlisle Supporters Club there for for just making it look a bit nicer on the eye follow, just using those lovely big flags. Uh, so, thanks a lot, Will, for uh, for joining me for the Match Report, and I'll see you again on Wednesday, mate. All right? Yeah. No worries, man. See you again, buddy.
2: I'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right, Wills. Thanks very much. This is uh, Wednesday uh, Skelly thanking uh, Monday Wills. Wills will be joining us again a bit later on uh, when we look ahead to next week. Uh, he sent me a nice little voice note with his uh, score predictions on, so we've got that one to look forward to. But for now, I'm going to power forward on my own, the old school way, the way it was originally done, and I'm going to talk about the Mansfield game. But first of all, I'm going to give you the lineups. The lineups were as follows. Pretty much exactly the same team uh, that played the previous game, apart from, unfortunately, Farman took a knock, so Norman had started in goals i feel like we maybe jinxed him me and wills talk about him a fair bit for the match review so maybe we jinxed farman and now we've ended up with magnus norman in goal magnus norman in goal tanner mcdonald bennett armor on the back line riley guy melish dickinson zanzala and alessandra so like i said basically the same lineup from the last game but with norman in goal Right, I'm going to uh, carry on stealing the match reviews from PA Media and making snarky comments as and when I see fit. Stephen McLaughlin rescued Mansfield Town, a 1-1 draw, with a late free kick as the Stags came from behind against Carlisle United. Kick-off was delayed by 30 minutes due to some United players being stuck in traffic, but Carlisle still started well with three early chances. Bloody hell, yeah, I remember all that in the build-up to the game. And uh, what's the Carlisle commentator called? Phillips... Phillips guy who was like trying to make it into some kind of conspiracy theory that Mansfield were playing some weird under-dirty-handed tactics to force Carlisle to start a game early or or something like that. I understand he had an extra half an hour of content to fill, but there was no need to waffle on about utter crap. John Mellish blazed across the face of goal on 8 Minutes. Then Aiden Stone had to tip away Offerun Zanzala's finish from Jack Armour before Rhys Bennett slipped at the vital moment when Armour's cross reached him. Was it a slip? Was that what we're going to call it? We're calling it a slip? That's, that's, that's quite generous. Uh, for Mansfield, Jamie Reed turned well but fired straight at Magnus Norman who kept out a Jason Law shot after the break and Harry Charlesley headed in quick succession. But... On the 66th minute, Jordan Bowery lost the ball and Mellish ran on to send in a shot that spun away from a deflection to Zanzala, who made no mistake with a rising finish. His fourth goal in three games. That is a really terrible sentence, BBC. That is awfully structured, that sentence. I had to do about four takes of that before I got it right. The Stags then came desperately close in... A succession of chances as Charles Lee lifted one over on the 73rd minute before James Perch hit the bar via Norman's fingertips on the 74th minute and Reid volleyed over a minute later. But they were finally level with 10 minutes to go when McLaughlin found the bottom left corner with a 19-yard free kick. Um, As far as match reviews go from the BBC, I'll be honest with you, there wasn't really any spelling mistakes on this particular one. But it was awfully, awfully structured. The sentences were terrible. So, all in all, uh, a point away from home. Unbeaten in three games. Carlisle are at least starting to pick up points again consistently. Uh, Obviously, I feel uh, a lot of the fans are uh, feeling like it's two points lost because we were 1-0 up in that game. Uh, The way things were going three games ago, to turn around and say that we're unbeaten in three and we've picked up five points is uh, you know I'm quite happy with that, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat around the bush too much. I think that one one away from home at a team like Mansfield that freely spend every sort of transfer window and trying to bring in uh, another band aid to help fix them, another expensive band aid to help sort of steady the ship and have another season of just outside the playoffs. <laughs> but uh, that's their problem that's not our problem and uh, I'll, I'll take that I'll take that point I'm happy with that point I know a lot of people aren't it's divided opinion it's another one of them but yeah I'll take a point against Mansfield thank you very much Ozzy Zanzale and the rest of the team to <laughs> 0 in on a couple of uh, key moments in the game there was a moment that Reese Bennett had an opportunity to put Carlisle in the lead earlier on in the match, around the 15th minute. I'd like to point out it was a superbly lofted pass from Jack Armour, who is again showing uh, that he has lots of different things in his locker, lots of different uh, abilities to cross the ball, run with the ball, uh, pass the ball, lobbing passes. So that's another further development to see from Jack Armour. So happy with that. So, yeah, great ball through, over the top, uh, Reese has uh, got enough time to bring it down with his chest and then I think he just gets he loses his composure to be honest. Uh, He brings it down with his chest. He's got a chance to hit it and he goes with his left foot. I don't think he's a left-footed player. I think he's a right-footed player. He swipes at it with his left foot and and um it, the goalkeeper does well blocks the effort uh which had not a lot of power on it it wasn't very hard for him to save and then bennett sort of uh it came back at him very quickly and i think he already had the reaction just to throw that leg at it once more and that's what happens and it just ended up cascading quite far wide of the goal unfortunately um again great ball in by jack armor showing more versatility another whoosh, uh, what's that? What's that? That's a whip noise. Whoosh. Why are you doing a whip noise? I mean like a, an arrow in the quiver. I don't know why I'm doing a whip noise. I meant an arrow in the quiver. It's nice to see that he's adding more and more to his game. With every 90 minutes, he seems to get under his belt. Uh, but yes, I know Bennett's not a striker, but he had all the time in the world to hit that with his right foot, not his left foot, and put Carlisle in the lead a bit earlier in the game. Off Renzanzala's goal meant that he has now scored four goals in three games, which is a great form for any striker in any division. Uh, the effort itself coming as a result of a deflected shot from John Mellish. The uh, The ball was sort of lofted up into the air uh, around the halfway line brought down by The Mansfield Town number nine who decided to try and dribble towards his own goal uh, past Carlisle's midfield was pickpocketed by John Mellish who showed him how it is done and then ran at the Mansfield Town defence making a uh, right-footed effort which then deflected towards the right-hand side of the six-yard box where Ofran Zanzala was there in his prolific form of late to, to smash that one home. It ended up in the roof of the net. It could have very quickly, have, uh, very easily have gone over the bar. It was uh, a very much on-the-fly reactionary effort. It was on him very quickly after the John Mellis shot. And uh, he showed quite a lot of composure and uh, decisiveness just to be able to... Uh, and technique, sorry, just to be able to uh, bring that ball uh, under control with that touch and, and bang it and bang it in the back of the net. So it was, it was a great goal to see. And I don't think that you uh, you score many goals like that unless you've got the confidence about you to get yourself in end positions. And Ofran Zanzala, at the moment, does look like one of those match-winning players that we were lacking Uh, who has got the confidence about him, he's sniffing goals and he's not going to stop trying. For every second he's on the pitch, he's going to believe that he can get a goal as a result of running down that line or going through the middle or holding his man off. And like I mentioned in the match review with Will, the strength of our friend Zanzala, his reputation is getting out there and defenders are getting scared. Well, at least I hope so. (laughs) Okay, so I was wanting to finish off this match review by talking about a couple of stats and also the man between the sticks on the night, which was Magnus Norman. Uh, I think it's quite good to do the stats and talk about Magnus Norman hand-in-hand because uh, he went up against a lot of shots. There was 14 shots from Mansfield. Five of those shots were on target. So Magnus Norman was quite busy uh, for the most part, in the first half, uh, I would say that he, he was probably quite relieved that there wasn't a lot going on for him. He had a chance to sort of like settle his nerves and and, and get over the fact that he's playing. Uh, because I, I don't know how much notice he would have had going into the game. But uh, that's by the by. We'll talk about the good side of things first Magnus Norman did make some very good reactionary saves uh, saves that uh, were coming at him from point blank range almost uh, in and around the six yard box he made uh, two good saves one from a shot and one from a header and uh, obviously made continuous amounts around this sort of like 60 to 70th minute as Mansfield were trying to get their goal back I don't think there was a lot he could have done with the free kick other than maybe position his wall slightly better than he did those kind of things do come with uh, experience of the uh, players in the division and uh, obviously if you've got time to match prepare a bit more you know what to expect from the set piece takers because you would have had a week uh, to learn about it rather than cramming it all in in 24 hours Uh, so made that slightly more difficult for himself. It was a needless free kick. I don't feel like uh, we needed to bring the man down when we did. So it was unfortunate that Magnus Norman couldn't get a clean sheet on his debut. But I do have to mention how... What's the word for this one? How he was aerially commanding his box outside of his six-yard box, let's say. Let's say uh, we have come to expect paul farman to command his box up until the day you know Uh, he'll come and he will collect and he will punch away or he will catch and uh, the carlisle defense looked like they were expecting magnus norman to do a bit more of that than he did and uh, he was caught out at least twice uh, coming out for the ball to catch it and missing it both times so when eventually mansfield did get their goal couldn't say that it wasn't necessarily deserved because we, we we kind of made a hash of it earlier on in the game as a whole i would like to say that magnus norman had a good performance i hope that he has learned a lot from that performance in uh the areas of commanding his box and the decisiveness that comes with calling for the ball because um the defenders Looked like they understood instruction and were letting Magnus come for every ball that he called without getting in the way. And unfortunately, he just misjudged it once or twice on the day. But all in all, an encouraging performance from a young goalkeeper making, uh, I think, his league debut for Carlisle United. So uh, it's nice, nice to see a uh, good good effort mate good effort thanks uh, a <laughs> good effort how patronizing do I sound uh, yeah as I was saying stats wise he went up against five shots on target there was 14 shots from Mansfield in total in comparison to Carlisle there was exactly the same amount of shots we had 14 as well uh, we only had three shots on target which is about average for us corners were four for four uh, there was 10 to 11 fouls uh, so Pretty much a typical League Two away from home, Carlisle United performance. It's the sort of performance that we've made a, a bit of bread and butter over over the years. Yeah, taking the lead and then and then unfortunately not being quite able to see the game out until the end. Right. Oh, okay. That's enough about talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. Uh, Wills is going to be back in just a minute to give us his score predictions. For the Late Norient and Stevenage game or the Stevenage and then Late Norient game if we're going in uh, calendar order. Uh, first I'm going to give you my predictions because it's my in show and I'll do whatever I want. Um, yeah, So Stevenage are 15th in the league, that's our opponent on Saturday, they've managed to draw their last two games against Southend they were pretty uh, poor and then also late Norian who are equally as poor as they are at the moment Uh, Stevenage have struggled to score goals most of the season Uh, so at the moment with Carlisle being the way that Diaz and Zala being the way that he is and then hopefully the return of uh, JJ I can see Carlisle quite comfortably beating Stevenage perhaps uh, 3-0 so that's the Stevenage score prediction for me. Moving over to the late Norian's game. Looking at their form. Like I said, if anything, they've been worse than uh, than Stevenage. Late Norians have also drawn their last two games, uh, but still find themselves a point above Stevenage. I believe out of the uh, two sides at late Norian are probably the better team out of... Uh, Stevenage and late Norient. Carlisle are playing at home on a Tuesday night against late Norient. Late Norient travelling up from the London area. So, I'm going to say uh, same again. I'm going to say 3-0. I'm going to say 3-0 to Carlisle United against late Norient will. I'm going to hand over to you now mate and you're going to give us uh, you're going to give us your score predictions.
2: Well it's another full set of fixtures on Saturday and it's an early kick-off for us. So, we're against Stevenage, the team we got our biggest win against earlier in the season. 4-0 home demolition while on that great run of form in December. That was a game with fans in attendance and saw Joe Riley score that really lovely goal late on. But Stevenage have been improving and seem to be out of danger for another season, which I'm sure they'll be delighted with, given they expected to be relegated last year. could be a tricky game, but we've got to be looking to take all three points or else any hope of promotion could disappear. I'm feeling confident. I'm going to go with an optimistic 2-0 to Carlisle. Goals from Zanzala and Tanner. Thanks again, Liam. Uh, This is another of our games in hand, although there's still a fair few other teams with midweek matches to play. Exeter, Tramir, Forest Green and Bradford are all playing of the teams above and around us. So it's really just playing games in Handover Cambridge. Which I don't think really matters, we aren't catching them. First time we play Orion 2 after this match fell victim to first a frozen pitch and secondly coronavirus. It's strange to be playing a team for the first time in March and I can't say I know what to expect. Especially since they recently sacked their manager Ross Embleton. They're another middling team, a bit like Mansfield and Stevenage. I was more confident against Stevenage because we beat them so well earlier in the season. But I feel we struggle a bit against teams that are just now seeing the season out. I think we would do a bit better against the likes of Bradford who are still playing for something. So both teams are probably getting tied at this point And I fear we might have a repeat of the Mansfield match and another drab affair. So I'll predict another 1-1 with Coyote getting back on the score sheet for us if he's back from injury. Um, thanks for having me on, Liam.
1: Well, that's almost it for one week of the Blue Army podcast. I want to say thank you to Wills again. Uh, you probably could tell that he used my real name there uh, twice, I think. And uh, I did try to cut it out in the edit, but it sounded horrible and jumpy. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit of an Easter egg in, in today's episode with my real name. There. Um, what I wanted to do today is go back to an old tradition we had on the Blue Army podcast and mention a local business. Just give a little thumbs up to a local business. And this week, we are going to mention Keswick Adventure Centres. That's Keswick Adventure Centre. They're not paying me for this small piece of advertisement. That is, one more time, Keswick Adventure Centre. Uh, the phone number is 0178... 0178- Nope, I screwed that one up. Try it again. Oh one seven six eight seven seven five six eight seven. Five. Now, uh, the reason I'm mentioning Keswick Adventures is because obviously a lot of businesses have been affected during the pandemic, and Keswick Adventures is one of those businesses that has been affected. They offer um, all kinds of adventuresque style uh, activities, so you can go rock climbing and and uh, do you know what? Just click on their website and give them a bash. That's Keswick Adventures. You can call the number 017687. 75687 seven, to make your bookings uh, and your party size bookings. So, if you've got kids that have got birthday parties coming up over the summer, get those birthday parties booked in nice and early because we all know that these activities are going to be chock a block full during the summer because we have been stuck indoors and all the outdoor activities are going, going, going and gone. So, one more time, that is the Keswick Adventure Centre. Uh, they've got Facebook, they've got websites they've got everything, get over there and get active, get your kids active get yourself active, it's it's all good stuff. Right, we're going to round off with our newest feature the Blue Army Podcast Loud and Local segment this week Uh, for the debut of the, the Loud and Local segment we have local band My Little Brother who has sent me a song called Janie it is a beautiful song my little brother uh, have been going for about 2011 and have been doing absolutely fantastically well on the local circuit I think they sold out uh, the Brickyard uh, last year obviously before the pandemic and things like that so uh, yeah this is my little brother uh, a four-piece band from Carlisle and this is their song Janie and uh, yeah thank you very much for listening and I'll see you again bye for now bye
0: smile